Welcome to the Steadfast Carlsbad podcast. This morning's message was taken out of our 10 a.m. service. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. Do you guys agree that having a good example is important, like in life, right? We, we, we like, long for good examples. You know, we're, we're looking for people that are good examples or, or people that can show us how to get somewhere and then what to do when we get there. Um, that's why I think YouTube videos have become really popular because we're, we're just looking for someone who could show us how to do the thing we're trying to do. A lot of the um, issues we had when we were trying to work through live stream and all these, it was like YouTube videos and tutorial. How do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? Literally yesterday, we had a plumbing issue at our house and it was YouTube to the rescue. Why you could find it somewhere else? You could like maybe read about it or whatever. But there's something about seeing someone actually do it. Even better than a YouTube video would be if you had a plumber in the house teaching you how to do it. Right? If there was someone like literally sitting right next to you and they say, "Okay, now you grab on and look at. Do you feel that? Okay, now you got to move that. And you, this is how you twist that off. This is how that comes out. And you want to make sure that you don't do this. I mean, it's great to have Bob Vila helping you out." But it's, it's a whole nother level when you have someone literally in the room with you. We, we are dying for examples. That's why it's really important. There's a vital role in our society for, um, for leaders, people who can show the way, right? For good teachers, good pastors, good parents, good coaches. They can show an example like of what it really looks like to to. Be who you say you are, walk this thing out, and go before me in something that I'm looking to follow in, okay? So that's kind of what we have in Hebrews, is these examples of these Old Testament guys that had found faith in the Lord and, and how that worked out. And it's meant to encourage us to have even a more dynamic faith that we have now because of are being drawn near to the Lord through the blood of Jesus, through passing through the veil that's now been torn in two, that we now have access into that entry point. So there's this, this beautiful uh, entry of, of following along with a past faith uh, and now having our own making its way uh, in our own life. So we saw Abel last week. We are talking about Abel. Uh, Abel's faith, he trusted God to bring forth a sacrifice. He knew that sin was the issue. He'd brought forth a sacrifice that had been asked for and um, that was costly. And he'd seen the example of what had happened with sin and his parents and them being clothed. And, uh, and he chose to trust God. Cain decided to do it his own way. Abel brought the first fruits. Cain brought what he had on the ground. So there's all these different things, right? Where there's like the, the highs and the lows of, of the, the contrast between the two. Uh, Cain was confronted, and of course, he didn't like that. So instead of dealing with his own issues, he tried to get rid of, to bring the, the curve down by getting rid of the guy who's doing really well. Knock him down, now I'm in first place. So now we're going to look at a guy named Enoch. And like Abel, there's not a lot of scripture about him. And I think that's really cool. Why? Because he's in the hall of faith. You, you don't have to be like some legendary character who's done amazing, you know, crazy things. Like we're going to see Noah. Noah's got chapters about his life. We're going to see Abraham. Abraham has, has a lot about his life. But these, these first few guys, there's not much about them. 
but it's their faith and their faithfulness that's left a legacy. So we're going to look at the message titled Enoch's Example. Um, so we're going to see how it's, it's played out. Remember verse 1, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. So this is like the kind of the culmination of all the faith coming together is this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the def- definition here. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So uh, Enoch's life. If you go to Genesis chapter 5, uh, verse 18 through 24, this is Enoch's life. This is what we have. Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared, you know it's kind of funny when you hear a name and you didn't realize it was that old, like Jared? Jared seemed like a very, like, 90s name. But uh, it, it was way back, okay? This was pre-Noah. So uh, Jared, Jared, this guy, my buddy Jared, uh, lived uh, 800 years, had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. This was the era before the flood when people were living incredibly long lives. So Jared lived 962 years. Uh, Enoch's son, Methuselah, lived 969 years, the longest life that we have recorded. Extremely long lives. So um, that's important because we're going to see in Enoch's life, it's not just like a little sample size. You see, his, his faith was uh, played out over 300 years. So, um, but what you see in this chapter, especially in Genesis chapter 5, if you were to read through it, you'd see one reoccurring theme over and over again, and he died, and he died, and he died, except for one guy, and that guy is Enoch. So what do we have? Verse 21, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So that's the record we have in Genesis of Enoch. Seemingly, Enoch started walking with God after he had a son. Can we relate? (laughs) You have a child, and all of a sudden, things like this become a lot more important. You know, I, I used to think things were funny and wild, and I, I was just like all into As soon as you have kids, all of a sudden you're like, that is a scary movie. Like, because you realize this has a potential of keeping my children up all night. And now I, my sensitivity is, has been raised very high, you know? Or even like going, you know, Disneyland, oh, all the fun rides, and all of a sudden you're on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and you're like, I'm in hell. <laughs> like, I don't, do I really want my children to go into hell with me here? There's a, there's a sense of a heightened sense when you're younger. You're just like, yeah, whatever. You don't really care. You watch a movie over and over again, and, and all of a sudden you hear different words that you remember, like Sandlot, you know? I remember one time Cannon repeating one of the phrases from Sandlot, and I was like, oh, no, you know? It's a great baseball movie, but those boys, you know, the, the 50s, you guys were so bad back then, you know? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But it was, it's one of those things where you start to realize, whoa, okay, this is actually, there's more of a sensitivity to this than I'd initially uh, had before. So anyway, whether that's the case or not, we know Enoch started walking with God after he has Methuselah because he walks with God for 300 years. He lives 365 years. He has Methuselah at 65. There we go. Okay. Um, and walking with God. So we're going to see walking with God. And then when we're going to go to Hebrews, it's going to be that he, that he was pleasing. He, his life was pleasing to God. 
Uh, and the Septuagint actually used walking. Septuagint is the Greek Old Testament, the 70 guys that got together and translated it into Greek. So that would be what a lot of the people uh, that would have been reading or the way they would have been reading the Old Testament uh, would be through the Greek translation. Uh, so it was pleasing to God. Enoch was pleasing to God. His life was pleasing. So that's when we see that quote or the, you know, where it's reemphasized in Hebrews, that's the idea. The idea that walking with God is, is synonymous with being pleasing to God. This is what he desires. And we know this. Because this is what Adam and Eve were experiencing before the fall. Walking with God. And we know this is what's been restored through Jesus, where we really now have that open access. And remember, this letter is being written to the Hebrews that are being over and over again encouraged and, and argue from every angle, please don't return to, to what was before. The veil has been torn. You're in. You're on the inside. The thing you had before is no longer there, and it was never that good. So here's the example of Enoch. He walks with God. His life is pleasing to God, and then he was not, for God took him. You know, the obedience is greater than sacrifice. And obedience is something that's built up in a lifestyle where we're, we're walking with one another, we're trusting in one another, we, we believe that you have each other's best interests. A lot of times when we go, I have a hard time trusting God and believing God and obeying God, um, I believe 100% the biggest issue there is that we really just don't know him very well. Because I think the more that we know God, the more it's completely obvious that he should be trusted above all else. Because if, if we don't really know God, we are elevating ourselves to think that we've actually got something that's even somewhat comparable to the wisdom he has. But if we know who he is, and we're going to see that at the end of this, uh, this section, that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, that if we know who he is, if we understand who he is, and how do you understand who someone is? You walk with them. You, you live with them. There's no one on this earth that I know better than my wife. Why? We literally walk with each other sometimes. We, we, like, we're with each other all the time. Everything that we go through, it, it's together. Like if something's going on with the, one of the kids, we go through it together. If one of us is struggling, the other one is going, we do everything together. And so it builds trust. And a lot of times people, uh, you know, they be, oh, you have problems, I have problems, whatever. And they split. You're like, you know, the best, the best is yet to come if you can hang in there. Because the more that you are around each other and the more you know you can trust each other and the more you know you can lean on each other and build each other up, then the better that relationship gets. And you start to realize, oh, you know, because at first you come in, you can come into marriage and go, man, you're being selfish about this. And, you're, and then you realize that you are being selfish about this or whatever, you know, or you've got a problem or you whatever, all these different things, you know. That, and that's common. That's why a lot of people, they, they really struggle the first year. We really didn't. It was, it was pretty good. Having kids was the hardest time uh, <laughs> and moving because it's like a whole new thing. But you learn to lean and trust in each other. And, and, and it's like the blessing that comes out of that is unbelievable, and it's built over time, but it's built in relationships. So if we're talking about our relationship with God, 
uh, Enoch has this active relationship where he's known for walking with God. And as he's walking with God, it's over a long period of time. And I think there's something to that. Played out over three centuries. Longevity is, is, is key. It's not hype. It's the real thing. You can only be hyped for so long. You run out of energy, you know? Like, let's go take this mountain! And you're like, it's a big mountain, I guess, you know? Like, that's just not, that's not how it's sustainable. It's meant to be played out over a long period of time. And there's highs and lows. There's great joy. There's momentum that comes in seasons. But I, that's why I think slow growth is a really good thing. Because sometimes things come really fast, they go away really fast. It's like a flash in the pan. You have no way of handling. So this, I think what's cool about Enoch's example is his legacy is a long time going in the right direction with the Lord. Longevity, the real thing. I was, yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and we were talking about how it's so easy to, um, to want to like build something. When you look at something that's lacking in your life, you go, I don't have that thing. And so you like commit. I'm going to go all in, you know. I'm going to run a marathon every morning, you know, or something so stupid like that, you know. Like you won't run a marathon one morning, let alone every morning. Or, or from now on, it's five hours in the gym before I wake up. I saw a really funny video, and it was like I, I've compiled all the information, you know, of, of the um, – of all the gurus out there of how to live your life. And it's like 2.15, wake up, cold plunge. As you wake up, you're listening to an audio book, hour and a half meditation, seven hour workout in the gym, power through a bunch of meetings. You know, And it's like basically you end up sleeping like an hour and a half and uh, you didn't eat uh, and, and it's like, you're, it's just ridiculous, right? Because it's like, if you do all these things, you know, you know what the, the key is? Is, is, is consistency and growing slowly. That's, that's the key to building, um, literally to building habits. So that's why a lot of times when you go, all right, I'm going to start, I'm going to read through. Do you know there's a plan? There's a Bible app, a plan, and I've done it. It's hectic. The Bible in 90 days, you know, have you done that? If you have children, it is hectic because it's like you got to read a lot every day. And you go, you know, I've never read the Bible before. I'm going to do the Bible in 90 days. This is my commitment. And I encourage you, start a little slower. And then that way you'll be doing it more than five days. And because you'll be backed up and you're like, oh, man, I got to do 73 chapters today. I don't know if I'm going to catch up. Is that really the point? The idea is that we build on our walk with God. And I think Enoch's relationship with the Lord, of walking with him, by nature, it had to have been growing and blooming over time. Because if you have a source, you're near the source, which is God, which is life, then, then that life will be transforming you and you'll become closer and closer to him over time. Many of you have been married for a very long time. We've been married 15 years. And I, it's so much it's amazing. It's better than I could ever imagine. 15 years. It just gets better. But it's because it's built over time. There's trust. There's, 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 there's understanding. There's like love. There's, it just grows and it builds. And it's, in a sense, it's tried by fire all the different ways. So I think that's, no, we, we applaud like meteoric rises, you know, straight to the top. 
but we despise often the slow daily growth, the process. And so uh, I, I like the idea of celebrating the progress while trusting the process. As we continue to trust the process of walking with God, of, of spending some time with him, of praying a little bit every day, starting out, there will be progress. We'll go further and further. So as a church, as a whole, we need to be careful too to be looking for the meteoric rise. Oh, wow, you know, huge growth, expansive numbers, you know, over 75,000 baptized this week, really? I don't know about that, you know? So we have Enoch, his end, he didn't taste death, just like uh, who would come after him, Elijah. Um, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. So we go back to Hebrews, right? Hebrews 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was, uh, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. His life was pleasing to God. That's his testimony. This was his legacy. This was his example. What does that look like? Isn't that amazing? Like, what does it look like to be pleasing to God? What does it look like to walk with God? Because I, I, I don't know about you, but I initially when I hear the like get the thought of Enoch, he like walked with God. I think about him just cruising in a garden like Adam, you know, that idea of just being like, yeah, okay, hey, what's up? You know, it's like really peaceful and calm and quiet. And he's just, he's like the most humble guy ever. He's passive. He's just relaxed all the time. He's just kind of like, dude, everything's good. You're like, hey, Hurricane Hillary is coming. And he's like, it's fine. I was walking with God this morning. It's all good. And I don't think that's a bad idea, but do you know what else we know about Enoch from Jude? So we go near the end of the, very, the, end of the Bible. We have the, some interesting insights about the life of Enoch. So that we don't have much in the Old Testament. We have a little bit more in the new. Jude, and there's only one chapter of Jude, so it's verse 14, starting at verse 14. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, the seventh from Adam, why would you have to say that? Because Cain had a son named Enoch. And Cain's son, Enoch, and so if you were reading last week when we were looking at the, the lineage of, of Cain and Abel, or we looked at Cain killing Abel and then Cain's lineage as he's being cast out, but not, you know, the Lord says, you know, put a mark on him, don't kill him. Cast out, Cain starts having, uh, having kids. We have Enoch, and he has a city named after him. And so the key is, this is not that one. But it is important that it is the seventh generation from Adam. The seventh generation from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, so this is what, that walking with God, how it manifests itself in the life of Enoch. He prophesied. You know what I would tell you? If you walk with God, you're gonna have something to say that's gonna have an impact. You're gonna have wisdom. You're gonna have things to, that, are, that are gonna make a difference in people's lives. And the Lord can use you prophetically, whether you know it or not. How many times have people said stuff to you that you knew it was from the Lord, it wasn't from them? Isn't that cool? So Enoch prophesied these men also saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them 
of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So what, what's Enoch doing? He's just chilling with God. No. He's laying down the hammer. He's, he, why? Because what do we know about this generation? We always think that ours is the worst and the ones before were, were better and all this and that. But what do we know about Genesis? What's going on? We see it in Genesis 6. What's going on in Enoch's day? Genesis 6, 11. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. We're told that when things get really, really bad here, it's gonna be returned to the days of what? Noah. And Noah's after Enoch. He is living in an absolutely corrupt World. So the idea of Enoch walking with God and everyone else walking with God does not seem to be the case. It seems to be that he's one of the only ones standing alone. And he's standing alone, walking with God, probably in all humility and, and in, in, in just probably with a ton of peace in him, but he is calling out sin. He has no problem calling it out. He has no problem saying what it is. Well, what's the point in that? To feel high and mighty? No, because he speaks for the Lord and the Lord does not want to see his people, his creation degrade and devolve into these uh, monsters and end up dying for their sins. I mean, it was God's plan to redeem and to restore. So what do we see? We see uh, Enoch not scared to tell the truth. We see him with a boldness that could come only from the Lord. So back to Hebrews, verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he uh, who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what are the results of walking with God in faith? What are the, what are the results that we see of a life of faith, of walking with God and being pleasing to God? Rewards, right? The results are, first of all, our lives can be pleasing to God. Isn't that cool? We represent him well. We leave a lineage. We leave something behind. And we give people, a, a, in a sense, a track of like, this is what I want you to do. You, by the way, it's like when you're training your children and you're telling them to do something, but you don't do it, it doesn't last long, Right? So you got to make sure you're about what you say you're about. And, and so if we're saying like, man, you got to walk with God, it's really important you have a relationship with God, but you don't have one, then they go, it's not that important. If it was, then you would do it. You can tell me what you think, but your feet tell me what you believe. Wherever you go, that's going to tell me where you're really at. So what are the results of walking with God in faith? One, our lives can be pleasing to God. What a cool thing. Like our lives can be pleasing, bring pleasure to God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him though. Because without faith, it means we don't trust him. We don't know him. So what is another one? We'll grow, we grow more bold and less interested in sin. We start losing our taste for sin. 
We start seeing it not like as a, eh, okay, whatever. Or, oh, I wish, I wish the Bible didn't say that about sin. Oh, I, wish, I wish we got a pass. You know what? It's all good. It's all good. We start seeing sin as what it is. It's like a, a cancer. We start seeing it as like uh, the opposite of life. We start seeing it as, as like the pain of, of everything that we see around us, the, the root of like all the most horrific things that we see in the world around us, we start seeing it and we really start seeing it in ourselves first. And then the outflow of that is we start seeing it everywhere else around us and we're able to call it out for what it is in boldness. With a heart, the heart is for repentance. So, as the results of walking with God in faith, the first one is our lives are pleasing to him. We can have lives that are literally pleasing to God, like that are, are a blessing to the Lord. Next, our li- uh, we'll, we grow more in our boldness, become less interested in sin. Third, we'll be rewarded. We're rewarded. God is a diligent, God will re- reward those who diligently seek him. But first, we have to believe that he is, and he is that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You expect it, that God will reward us. And this isn't like a, you know, piggy bank thing where, you know, it's like, this is how you unlock the genie of God in your life, you know, tenfold. No, like the, the, the rewarder is the fact that you're connected to source of life, of all things good the creator, the sustainer, the one who has all wisdom and knowledge, all power, like you're connecting with him. And so you're completely usable in his hand. You're, there's, there's nothing you're not subject, you're like willing to let him do whatever he wants. So by faith, we align our lives with him. And as we align our lives with him, we become extremely useful in his hands. And as we're experiencing that, that alone is a reward. But there's so many rewards beyond that. The Lord had a way of of often rewarding his people by their faithfulness. You really see it in Israel. You know, as they trusted God, he would blow their minds with his faithfulness. He just was like, I just want to show you how good I am. If you trust me, if you believe me, I, I can't wait to show you. Like, I will show up for you so good. Just wait and see. Just wait and see. It's, it's, I, I just kind of want to blow your mind on this. I love messing around with my kids. Like, and acting like we're not doing something, even though I know we're going to do something. And sometimes I take it too far. Tori's like, don't do that. You're going to bum them out so hard. Because I feel like the lower you take them, the higher the high is on the other side. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you make it so bad. You know, it's like, guys, I'm sorry, but you know what? This is what we're going to do. The car got impounded. And uh, no, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. But hey, guys, we're homeless. Our house is gone. Um, No, wouldn't go that far. But Hey, we're not, we're not doing anything today. I, we, we did it once where we were like, what are we going to do today? Oh, we're going to go do this, a few errands, this and that. And back of your mind, we're like, we're going to Disneyland. This is like, you know, when the kids were younger, they had no idea. And all of a sudden, they're in the car, and they're like, we're going to Disneyland. Wow, you know, because, oh, wow, you know. That's, that's, that's like, it's, I feel like that's the heart. God just like, just, just trust me. And you know what it takes? It takes trust to get in the car. They don't know what's going on. 
It could be a bad thing. It could be a good thing. They are completely not in control. But you know what they have to do? They have to eat their breakfast. They have to brush their teeth. They have to put on their clothes, the clothes we told them to wear. Because we know what's coming next. So you don't want to wear, you don't want to wear shoes you're not going to be wanting to walk around in. You're not going to want to be wearing clothes that you don't want to be having pictures taken in. So you put all that together and then get in the car. Why? Just trust me. Get in the car. We're going somewhere. All right. Let me get in the car. Was the faith rewarded? I, mean, I think all the things they were thinking could have been maybe it's boomers. Maybe we're going to in and out. You know? I mean, the top of the top of the food chain there, right? No idea that was coming. No clue. But that's like, I feel like that's what God wants to do with us. And that's the idea of faith is put your shoes on. Hey, finish your breakfast. Just finish your breakfast. It's all good. Finish it. Trust me. And you're like, oh, I want to do something different today. And he's like, oh, something different's coming. This is not a normal day. Brush your teeth. I have to brush my teeth every day. I don't understand. You're like, well, yeah. You, would under, you will understand later in life that it was a good thing to do, right? And then you go, okay, um, put your clothes on. Ugh, I don't want to wear this. I feel like, uh, I don't, that feels like I'm too dressed up. What are we doing? You know, it's like, get in the car. All right, fine, get in the car. All of those, any of those frustrations that there possibly could have been are long gone. And do you know what, do you know what, probably should happen it probably does is that your kids next time you go hey guys let's get ready let's get in the car they're like okay <laughs> Bru- hey uh eat your food yep got it brush your teeth got it you know put your shoes on put your clothes on yep mm-hmm. get in the car let's get in the car where are we going and you're like nowhere we're not going- we're not going anywhere today but that's the ex- expectation we have with the Lord. It's like, if I trust you, I believe you, there's always an expectation that he can do a lot with that because we're believing in him. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What's the life of Enoch? There's diligence to 300 years. So there's, there's a thing of not growing weary in doing good. In due season, we will reap. In due season. So the flash in the pan, uh, New Year's resolution faith, that doesn't work very good. We know this. But the daily discipline of walking with God and spending time with him and trust, learning to trust him more as we read his word, we go, this is a pretty, this, this is the God that wants to hang out with me? He can do all of this? And he's like, wants to hang out with me and as we're being more and more blown away and then we're spending time with them and we're praying and we're reading and we're worshiping and we sense God's presence and he starts speaking to us through the word and the things that we read that day are being used later that day and we go, I think he's really with me. I think he's actually here. And then all of a sudden you're like, what else can he do? And in the meantime, as you're being connected to a source of life, as you're being connected to like the real thing, all of a sudden the death around you starts looking worse and worse. And the things that you used to tolerate, you don't anymore. And you start feeling like, ugh, I just don't, that was an yuck feeling. I used to say that without a, a, any problem. Or I used to think that or act that way without 
any second thought. And now it makes me feel like I'm dead inside and I just want to like, ugh. Because God, as he's bringing life, as he's, as he's renewing us day by day, as there's transformation happening in an active process of sanctification built on relationship, the dead's gotta go. Because the life starts taking over. All the, old, all the nasty stuff has just got to go. There's no room for it anymore. It's being purged. We have the, the coffee maker. It's, a, uh, it's been leaking a little bit, so we have to like fill it up. Billy and I were talking about it this morning. And um, it's one of the ones where it has a reservoir. And so if you, you pour into it, what you pour into it, if it's full, is what you get out of it. You know, I mean, as far as it's to a certain extent, it can only do so much. But like if you, it's hot water, so you pour the cold water in, it pushes the hot water out and, you know, it purges it. So what was once all hot now has become all cold to become hot again. So that's the idea is like as it's being poured in, there's no longer room for the old. It's going out. It's being pushed out. And as it's pushed out, there's a new source that's coming in. So as, as, as we're walking with God, as the spirit is living inside of us and taking up residence in our heart and we're giving more and more territory and more and more acreage to our heart, there's the, all of a sudden the old nasty stuff that you have become so acquainted with for so long, it's got to go. You ever, you ever have stuff like that in your life where you look at something in your garage or in your closet and you're like, why are you still here? Like, why is that, why is there an empty water bottle right there that's in your car? Why have I not get, gotten rid of you? You've been here so long. That doesn't make any sense, but it's like, you become so used to it, you almost don't see it. And sometimes people will say like, you got, why is that there? You gotta get rid of that. That, is, that doesn't belong there. That, that, this doesn't, you don't, what are you doing? This, and then all of a sudden you're, you're aware of it. And you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, what is that doing there? I'm notorious for, um, I've mentioned this probably before. If I have a plate and I finish food, I still hold it. I just, man, I'm, I'm adaptable. I'll live wherever. You know, I could live on a couch. I could live, you know, in a hole, I feel like, or whatever. But I'll have a plate and I'll just sit there and it'll be like, and I'll eat and I'll finish and I'll be sitting there with a plate in my hand because there's nowhere to put it or something. Tori's like, why is there a plate in your hand? You got to take, and I'm like, oh Yeah. That's not normal, is it? To be sitting there with a plate in your hand when there's something you could do about it. But you become so used to it that you're like, I guess, and, and not, you're not thinking this, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, yeah, I could probably play softball with this plate in my hand. And, uh, you know, I could probably be there on Sunday morning, just, you know, okay, guys, you guys get the point? And you're like, what's the plate about? It's gotta be part of an analogy or something like that, illustration. But it's, 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 we become way too comfortable with things we, we shouldn't. But as we walk with God, it gets purged. And not just in our own lives, but we're able to speak out against the stuff around us that's nasty and gnarly and wrong. And we need that. But we need to do it in the way that someone who's walking with God would do it. Because there's a lot of people that love to say all the things that are wrong with the world, but they do it completely with the wrong spirit, wrong heart, lack of wisdom. This is someone that's plugged in, walking with God, empowered by God, that's speaking out prophetically. This is prophetically in a way that makes the way God wants to do it. So we'll be rewarded by his presence and just so much more. 
What does it look like to walk with God? Well, we know Galatians 5 tells us we get, since Jesus died, he, he gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit, the helper. He says, when I leave, I'll give you the helper, and the helper will, will lead you into truth and convict the world of sin. And it's good that I go away. It's better that I go away so that you can have the promised helper, the spirit that was living in him now living in us. So as we're walking with God, we walk in the spirit. Verse uh, Galatians 5, 16 through 18, I say, then walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. This is just walking with God. As we walk with God, you don't have to, it doesn't, things aren't complicated. You just trust him. You believe him. The things he says, they make sense. You want to go where he wants to go. Why would I ever not want to go where you want to go? Why would I ever choose to be without you? If, you, if you're here, I want to be there. If you're there, I want to be there. That is the, an experience. The one that knows that he is who he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That you know who God is and you know that he rewards those who have an active relationship with him. So uh, Jesus died for our sins. And this was, all his, this was all God's plan. That he would send his son to die for us. To make a way to wholeness of relationship. And back to the garden-like relationship. So there's increased ability to live and mutual blessing in having that kind of relationship. So we're, we're used, guys. So like, like Enoch had an example, God now wants us as we live in the spirit, as we walk with God, to have lives that have, are examples that outlive our time on this earth. Because you could look at a guy like Enoch and you go, he didn't have a lot there, not a lot of verses, but his legacy went on and he's in the hall of faith. Or a guy like Abel died way young, but he's got a legacy in the hall of faith of his example and trusting God. There can be a massive impact with lives that are just faithful, lives that just trust God, that just walk with God. This isn't something that we strive for. This is like the outflow, the fruit that comes from the root. So this is the outflow of a life of walking with Jesus. There is an example for those behind us. And is the world in need of good examples right now? Yes. Like so much so. There's so much confusion in the world. There's so much corruption in the world. There's so much confusion and corruption in the church So what is our response to that? Attack it. Go after it. No. Be the real thing. Walk with God. Allow your life to become a living example. That no matter what, say your kids want to go do wild whatever stuff they choose to do, they'll be able to look back on your life and say they were about what they said they were about. And I think that's the kind of thing that those are the type of kids that are going to end up coming back around. Because they know. Yeah, I want to do whatever I want to do right now. I'm going to make it about me. And you're like, oh, please don't do that. But when they see the real thing, the authentic thing, they come back around. Because they see, man, this, they, they really did love God. They really did trust God. 
They really did believe that. They really did walk with him. And, and actually, that was the place where I felt like I was at home. That's like the idea of the prodigal son. He's like, you know what? My dad was so much better than any of this. I think if I just go back, I think if I just went back, I could work for him. I think it would be, you know, whatever. I could be like, you know, just one of his servants. Because I know he's good. I know there's, there, I know there was a good example. And so you go back and lavish with love. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us in person, head over to steadfastcarlsbad.com for more info. God bless.